Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa, and on this podcast, we focus on wellness, beauty, style, planning, and life. Basically, life is messy, and here we learn to live well anyway. So join me on this journey as we figure it out together. And just to get us started, I'll go first. And today, I'm going first, trying to be aggressively happy with the one and only Joy Clarkson. Now, I have had her mom on the show numerous times. I have had her sister on the show. I was so excited to be able to have Joy on the show today to talk about her latest book, which is truly wonderful. It is so well written. Just, I mean, just right out of the gate, just the prose of it is so good because, hi, she's a doctor. Um, But it's also such great thought process and wisdom about finding joy and happiness in our lives and not apologizing for liking the things that we like and being ourselves. I found this book so inspirational. I can't wait to read it again. Katie Duckett, who you guys know well, she has read this book already like three or four times because it's just that good. It is one of those books that will stay right next to my my bed on my bed stand because I really truly loved it. I knew as soon as I got my fingers into it, it was like, oh yeah, I've got to have joy on the show because we all need a little bit more happiness. We all need to learn how to be more aggressively happy in these times, right? I feel like this book encapsulates so much of what we talk about in living well anyway, is finding the happy even when life can be honestly very hard. And she's got so much wisdom to spill forth. So I hope that you guys really enjoy this episode. But before we get there, have you gone over and checked out my YouTube channel yet, ladies? I'm really working on it. I'm really trying to churn out some fun content to be bringing to all of you guys about all sorts of things about life and living well anyway. Everything from planning to the rasa that I am drinking and how I'm making it into cold brew for the summer. I'm making a video on what to pack in your kids' summer bags so you guys are always ready to be on the go and all of that. That is all coming to the YouTube channel, so be sure to head over to youtube.com slash Mackenzie Coppa to find me over there. Of course, the link is in the show notes and all of that, but I would love if you came over and got involved in this YouTube journey with me. It is so much fun to be stepping into this process that I've been wanting to do for a long time of getting on YouTube, and I would love to connect with you guys over there. So if you head over there and subscribe, maybe tell your friends about it. I'm like 150 people away from having a thousand subscribers and that would be incredible. So come over to youtube.com slash Mackenzie Coppa to be able to find all of the latest content that I am putting out over there. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Joy Clarkson. Welcome, Joy. I'm so happy to be with you today. I am so excited to have you. We were just kind of going over like, well, I know that I've interviewed your mom a lot and I've interviewed your sister and I feel like our paths have crossed at some point, but it was years (laughs) ago. And so here we are. And I'm just so excited to get to talk to you about your newest book. So if you want to, I'm sure that my listeners are probably very familiar with your last name and probably familiar with you. But for those who don't (laughs) know, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Of course. So my name is Joy Clarkson, Dr. Joy Clarkson recently, oh, which wow. I, I'm trying not to be annoying about, but it is, it is pretty fun when you work yeah. for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I um, am a writer, podcaster, scholar. I also host a podcast called Speaking with Joy, and I'm an editor. I am the books and culture editor at Plow Quarterly, which is a lovely magazine everyone should check out. And I recently wrote this book, Aggressively Happy. Yes. So I think that's, that's a general, and I live in Oxford. Okay. That that was going to be my next question. (laughs) Where are you coming to us from right now? Because I know you've, you've inhabited a lot of different places on this globe. So I wasn't sure where you currently were. So you are in Oxford. I am. Yes. On a kind of gloomy May day. I'm, I'm, I keep, we keep on having kind of I don't know, mischievous spring days. And then it goes back to being rainy. So that's where I am though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've had unseasonably cold weather over here and it's just been a really weird May. I'm in Washington. So yeah, I think, I think the climate between England and Washington is supposedly pretty similar. Yeah. Similar place on the equator. 
Yeah. That's what I've heard as well. So yeah, it's, it's been a little gloomy, a little chilly. So I feel, yeah, summer will come. Summer will come someday. Yes. Supposedly <laughs> for a, for a quick minute before we're plunged back <laughs> into the dreariness and the cold. Um, so how long have you been in Oxford now? So I've just been in Oxford for the past year. Um, and okay. before that I, I lived in Scotland for the last five years, I was doing my PhD there. Um, so yeah. And then before that, various other places. Okay. And so that is where, and you kind of allude to it in the book also, but that's where you weathered a large portion of the pandemic. Yes. I weathered. So what's funny is that I weathered most of the pandemic in Scotland. Um, but there was a, a, when I actually wrote most of aggressively happy, I got stuck in Oxford because I had come with, I had family in Oxford. Sarah did her degree here and met her husband here, my sister. And Mm -hmm. so I'd come down for Christmas and then um, the lock, the second lockdown, you kind of lose track of the lockdowns here yeah. in the UK, but <laughs> the second lockdown kind of came out of nowhere. Like it was very sudden. And uh, so I'd been down for Christmas and they closed the borders and they wouldn't even let, um, you know, PhD students get back in. It took like several months before people who were doing like PhDs that involved labs to get back in the country. So oh, I wow. just got I just got stuck in a little guest room in Oxford for two months in the depths of winter. And I know that Oxford has like the ring of, you know, it's, it's romantic and lovely and it's where, you know, Tolkien and Lewis spend all their time, but like, it's pretty grim in January. (laughs) And it's also pretty grim if you're like trying to finish a PhD and you have none of your books and you're trying to write this, this book called aggressively happy. It was, it was it was a really interesting, uh, you know, convocation of many different yeah. things happening. And so you stayed with your sister all that time? I stayed. So my mom was in, um, has been living in Oxford to kind of support my sister. So I stayed in my mom's house, and, okay. which was also funny because then, yeah, it was a whole, it was a whole adventure, but people were all on the wrong sides of the borders of the various countries. And, but we made it through and I wrote this book. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, surprise. I'm staying. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Surprise, I live with you now. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing your family all loves each other so much. But <laughs> even with that, pandemic and lockdown is is hard. So I'm so glad that you weathered it and you got through all of it. And now you are Dr. Joy. I mean, of all of the things to be, that sounds like a pretty great one. And you have certainly worked for it. And I I just I have to dive in on this book because. I it came across my desk and I was like, well, first of all, it's a Clarkson. So it's probably an automatic mm-hmm. yes, but I, this might be one of my favorite Clarkson. <laughs> it's a large umbrella books that I have ever read because mm-hmm. you, you just have such an amazing perspective on things. You re you write with beauty, but also a realness that I adore. Like (laughs) it feels like so well thought out and it's, it's beautiful and fun to read. Like it's very literary in that way, but it also feels like sitting next to you having a conversation, which is one of my favorite ways to be able to read a book and like get that feeling for the author. And it's just, it was so poignant in so many ways. And I think it was like in some subtle ways, like a gentle reprimand on us being like downers and not enjoying things and like, no, get it together. It's okay. It's okay to like live a life that you like and to make that a thing. And in some ways it kind of harkened back to me to your mom's book, Own Your Life. Like I, I definitely was like, this is her daughter. This is Sally's daughter because <laughs> she's ingrained those like, no, take charge of your life and enjoy it and mm-hmm. find beauty. And like, I could see those things through your book, but there was also such a great, you know, perspective from you. Like it was definitely in your words and how you have embodied those things that you have learned and taken charge of in your own life. And I just have to say, okay, so in the chapter on floundering, well, you actually, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a pulled out quote that says, while you flounder live well. And I was actually, this is so ridiculous, but I was volunteering at a race this weekend. And I was listening to your audiobook because I was just like directing people to where to go. So I was like, just keep going that way. So I listened to the book while I was standing there in the cold and the rain for hours on end. And 
when that line came out, I almost dropped over. I was like, it's meant to be. She has to be on the show because she just <laughs> compiled like everything live well. And it was like that chapter was like what this whole show is about that when it's hard, mm. you keep living well anyway and you keep finding those ways to do it. And so, I mean, I guess we just, we start there. I mean, I think, mm. especially writing it in a pandemic that had to feel very, applicable to your situation. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the thing is, I think it is, you know, you said it's like a little bit of a rebuke uh, at moments. And I think one of the things that I was wrestling with in the book was that I, I had often bumped into this kind of idea that if you really had experienced life or experienced hard, I actually had somebody say this to me once. Somebody said, I looked at a sunset and I was like, aren't you so glad that no matter what's happening in your own life, like there's some beauty that persists. And she was like, I don't really think you'd say that if you'd ever really suffered. And I was like, that's a really weird thing to say to another human being that you don't know very well. Um, But I think that kind of gets to this idea that if you were really knowing, if you'd really experienced anything, if you've really seen to the core of life, uh, you just would be kind of cynical or sad or, you know, uh, I don't know, just kind of dour. And the thing is life is hard. You know, that's, I love the title of your podcast. It is hard. Things that we don't want to happen. We really lose things. I think sometimes we have a hard time saying that out loud that sometimes they're just, sometimes actually just bad things happen. We can't make a nice Sunday school lesson out of it. Yeah, Like life, it's just hard. Um, but I, I had come to kind of think that if that's true, then either that's true. And the rest of life, once you realize that is kind of disappointing and boring, or there's this possibility of joy and active creativity and, and love that is a response to the brokenness of the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think that actually takes quite a lot of uh, bravery and it takes a lot more effort. And I think you would agree with this takes a lot more effort to, to try to make something beautiful of this kind of, I love the way Celia Plath has a poem that was my poem for all 2020, where she says, patching together a content of sorts, um, trekking, no, it goes like this, trekking stubborn through this season of fatigue, I shall patch together a content of sorts. Mm. And, um, and I think it takes so much more effort actually to patch together a content of sorts to, to find joy and beauty um, than it does just to kind of relax into, into cynicism or, or into, kind of just accepting life as being, being a bad thing. Um, And, but I think it's in my life, it's been really worth it. You know, it's been, I think it's really worth it both for the fact that it makes your life more meaningful and and happier. Um, But it also, it also helps people around you. I think that we forget that, you know, me or you choosing to be someone who loves anyway, who lives well anyway, who makes beauty actually has an impact on our partners and our family and, and the community around us. And also I, I believe that it tells the truth about reality, that, that being alive is a good thing, that at the core of reality is goodness and beauty and love. And that part of the reason we're all so disappointed and angry is because we know that and life isn't yeah. that way. Yeah. And, and so that, so if it was a rebuke, it's also a rebuke to myself because I often am tempted into that cynicism or that kind of just some, I mean, it, it's cynicism and it's just depression, right? It's, it's yeah. just, it, it, it's, and those are all real parts of life that we have to reckon with. Um, but it's kind of in many ways, a rallying cry to myself. It's writing backwards in time at all those moments when I needed someone to sympathize with me and empathize with me, but also help me take one more step towards something yeah. beautiful and something good. Ladies, our families throw a lot of paper directly down the drain. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's estimated that Americans flush over 10 million trees worth of toilet paper every year. And if you're using the conventional toilet paper that comes wrapped in single-use plastic, odds are you're using tissue that is cutting down trees from North American old-growth forests. But I want to introduce you to a company that is trying to change all that. Real paper. 
Real Paper uses fast-growing bamboo in their paper products instead of virgin tree fibers from our forests. They're available online, on Amazon, and now in most Target stores nationwide. Similar to the grass on your lawn, bamboo regenerates from the same root, so they can harvest that same plant over and over again. This helps avoid problems with soil erosion, habitat loss, and most importantly, the massive release of stored carbon. And best of all, Real Paper is an easy swap. I love that I can have it delivered straight to my house so I know that we're never going to run out. We've just constantly got this rotation coming in because we go through a lot of toilet paper around here. I've got four kids. It's super strong, great toilet paper, and I love that we're not dealing with all that plastic that we normally do when we get normal toilet paper. It's just been such an easy swap to do something better for the environment. So if, like me, you're thinking, I can do that, that's such a simple thing for me to do to switch out, take care of the environment, and also take care of my family, then you are going to want to switch to real paper. Real Paper is available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions or for one-time purchases on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping in 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. If you head to realpaper.com slash livewell and sign up for a subscription using my code livewell at checkout, you'll automatically get 30% off your first order and free shipping. That's R-E-E-L P-A-P-E-R dot com slash live well or enter the promo code live well to get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. So let's stop flushing our forests and give Reels tree-free paper a try. Zero trees, zero plastics, zero compromises with Reel. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're all going to have those times where something takes us under and you are going to, you know, maybe for a day or two or a week, pull those covers over your head because it can just feel like too much. But I mm-hmm. think that when you decide to make the shift into this isn't where I'm going to stay, like, yes, mm-hmm. this was hard. This took me under. This was like so overwhelming. But when you you have kind of then two ways that you can go at that point, am I going to live well? Anyway, am I going to flounder well? Am I going to find mm-hmm. a way to still find <laughs> the joy in life and pick myself up from this? And like you were saying, have that effect on our families and our friends and everything. Or are we just going to stay there? And it is much easier to just stay in the bed. <laughs> but <laughs> But there's so much, and I think you do a beautiful job of pointing this out in the book, there's so much life to live. There's still so many things to allow ourselves to enjoy. And I think this book also kind of gives people permission that you don't have to be dour because the world mm-hmm. is hard. You don't, it's, you're not like doing the hardness a service by being upset about it. Like it is okay to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. And there are many, many things to enjoy Yeah, still in this weary, hard old world. And that it, I think it kind of adds to, as the light of the world when people have that kind of willingness to enjoy and, and love things. And yeah, amen. I think that laughter is often, that thing that will allow us that that like pulls us back up and allows us to keep going forward. Or I love what you were even talking about. Like during the pandemic, when you were in lockdown, you made sure to like get ready every day and put on a cute Mm -hmm. outfit and put on your lipstick. Like Mm -hmm. those are choices that we can make. And I loved Mm -hmm. how you kind of talked about it is like, you don't have to live like a college freshman all your life. (laughs) And I think that is something that, well, I think a lot of people got sucked back into their college freshman self in the pandemic, if I'm being honest. But I think that there's a lot of people and women who even in their mid thirties and late thirties and are, are just kind of realizing like, wait a minute, like I can have nice things or kind of like Mm -hmm. take charge of my life and act like a a grown woman and get Mm -hmm. nice shoes and have a skincare regimen and all of Mm -hmm. these things that are kind of like, oh, you get to kind of take charge of your life in that way. I would love for you to talk about that for a minute, because that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah, I love this so much. And it's actually been kind of a joy to watch all of my friends were kind of, I'm, I'm seeing everyone kind of pivot over the last like three years mm. from that kind of college freshman mindset to a more adult way of thinking about the world. And I think 
it's funny, I've been thinking about this, particularly, you know, in academia, the discipline that I, or the, the career path that I'm in, is like a really unstable one. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of get stuck in this endless cycle of, you know, they call them um, uh, fixed term contracts where you get three year jobs. And it kind of can make you feel always a little bit under, you know, under threat, like you don't know how long you'll have a job and you know how long you'll be somewhere. And it can kind of throw you into that way of living where you you feel like only oh, I'm only going to be here for so long. Um, this isn't a real job. I don't, I can't buy myself a nice thing or go on a vacation or start a skincare routine. Um, all those things. Cause it, they just don't feel like you've arrived. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, I think that's that feeling of having not arrived is something that is actually pretty pervasive. Like, I think there's always yeah. a reason to feel like you haven't arrived, whether that's because you're not married or you don't, you don't have a partner or because your kids are little and you're waiting until they're out of diapers or, you know, there's always this kind of feeling of, um, you know, having not arrived. But I think that I was just talking to a mentor today and they were like, remember your life has already started. And I think that's a good thing to always remember is your life has already started right now. And, and I think the big thing about that you know, I'll arrive when is kind of the feeling like you're not in control. Like there's some circumstance you're waiting for in the future to validate you as a human being. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really powerful about doing something like, um, I I think there's many different ways you can do it. I think about it particularly with my living space. So I, uh, after I finished my PhD, I thought, you know, what's really important to me is to have a space, even if it's small, to, I went to a, a flea market and got uh, used, but beautiful little set of teacups and a teapot so that if I could, if a friend would come over, I could serve them something beautiful and doing little things like that, that yeah. I'm not treating my house like a dorm. I'm treating it like a real home. Yeah. That's a tangible thing that I do that goes, a lot of life is out of my control, but you know, it's in my control my little set of, of teapots and teacups, or, um, I love that you mentioned skincare routines during the lockdown. I was like, you know, I really haven't paid attention to my skin. (laughs) And so I like did all the research and I ended up getting all these like Korean face masks. And the thing I always realize when I do something like that is that our reasons for not doing them are usually something like, oh, it's, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And I would say a lot of the things we think of, of, as adult things, whether that's skincare or whatever, don't actually have to be that expensive. Yeah. And that's just a way of kind of punishing ourselves for not being at the arrived place. So, um, so what all of those little things, I think taking one area where you can go the rest of my life may not be out of control, may feel out of control, but I'm life has already started. I am the queen of my life. And that means mm-hmm. that I'm both responsible for what happens in my life and making choices, but I'm also deserve a little bit of, of kindness and generosity and respect. And so I'm going to do that for myself by, you know, having a skincare routine, uh, buying a set of dishes that I like, you know, whatever that yeah. is. And, and, um, and I think that's a really grounding thing. And I also think it helps you kind of have a sense of, of agency that helps yeah. you handle those weird, mysterious times in life um, in a kind of mysterious way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it it shows like this sense of intentionality about your life where you're you're really curating something. You're you're making it for yourself. You're forming this life into what you want it to look like. I mean, I know when, you know, I have kind of a, a crazy story of having to get out of an abusive marriage and all this stuff and then living with family and it was crazy and chaotic and so many years of like sleeping on my parents' living room floor just to get us on our feet again. And I remember when we finally got our own house, it was so mm. like, okay, like this is the first time I've really lived on my own aside from being in a dorm in college. And I can make this place like our little sanctuary and I can, you know, decorate it and make it, I wanted it to feel like a home. And it Mm. felt like this job to be able to be intentional about it and, and, and be adult about it and figure out my Mm. style. And, you know, it's, you, you figure out your ways of doing things. You know, you even hit on the book, like you stay up late in college and you do all this stuff. And like, you even kind of get to be in charge of your time to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. that can be harder when you have kids or, you know, other responsibilities and whatever, but, but you can kind of decide, well, how do I want an evening routine to look and a morning routine to look like, how can I take care of myself and take care of these things? I mean, even just, I remember when I bought my first pair of like legit pajamas, <laughs> it wasn't just mm-hmm. like an old t-shirt that I was wearing. It was like, oh, there's really something to this. Like, I feel so like nice going to bed. Like, I didn't think it would be a thing. I just thought it was kind of silly, but then you do it and you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. I kind of like this form of adulting. I think there's something about pajamas or like a nice set of sheets. Yeah. That's a really good version of that because it's something that kind of only benefits you really. Um, And, and that is just, I don't know. There's something that feels very, makes you feel like a person, you know, if you have yeah. this one small, not even luxury, that's the thing is I think we talk to ourselves like it's a luxury, but it's like, no, it's, it's not really a luxury to have a pair of, of good pajamas. That's a nice yeah. thing. It's like a person. And it, and it reminds you of your, of your personness of your, you, you deserve that. It's good. Um, I think we have so many weird voices around feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, around just being a basic human being, but yeah. you know, two things. One is actually, uh, you, you're a worthwhile person who deserves to have nice pajamas. Um, that's, that is not an excessive thing. That's just, uh, an acknowledgement of your lovely personhood, but if it makes you feel better, I also think that when you're cared for and when you sleep well, and when you feel nourished, you will love others and attend to the things in your life better. Mm-hmm. But I always want to go back to the point that like, actually you don't have to do the utilitarian version of it. You don't have to say it you can, you can get to the, like, yes, you love everybody else, but also you deserve kindness and goodness and gentleness. And, and it's good to just accept that. Yeah. And which kind of brings me to another one of my very favorite parts of your book was remember you have a body (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you point out in there, you're not a machine. And I mean, you, you talk about specifically like Bible stories where God (laughs) even acknowledges like, hi, yeah, we're going to have to take care of the whole situation happening with your body before you're going to be able to handle anything else. Mm -hmm. Like that is a very legit thing that we see actually pointed out a few times throughout scripture. But I think it's so important because I I feel like maybe especially as Christians or we almost have this martyrdom, like no self-care is bad and we shouldn't do that. But Mm -hmm. we're actually, I'm actually much more likely to be unholy if I am (laughs) tired and hungry. (laughs) So yeah, it just makes sense that we make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and doing a good job of that. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think it's kind of a weird form of kind of a works salvation way of thinking about things because I think in our heart of hearts, we know that like good works or whatever you're going to call that comes from grace. It comes from knowing you're loved. It comes from, you know, babies. I think if we all thought of ourselves as babies, this would make us like understand it more. Yeah. Just that babies like are fussy when they haven't eaten and they haven't had a nap. And that's just what it is to be a baby. And I yeah. think what it is to be a human is, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you, if you haven't, if you don't have shelter, if you're not fed, if you haven't slept well, um, you're just not going to function well. And that's not because you're not holy or because you're, you know, you should, you should try harder. It's just a part of the way that God created you. And I actually think it's kind of out of pride sometimes that we try yeah. to ignore our bodies because God made us like this. It's, it's not like a design flaw. Um, he made us these kind of tenuous, fragile little creatures who need a very particular equilibrium to be okay. And, and living into that is actually an act of humility that kind of accepts God's love and accepts that he made us this way and helps us know that we are not God, you know? And I think, and I I think that's, um, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a much neglected, a much neglected thing in our world. Yeah. Ladies, let's take a second to talk about our hormones and how we can do a better job of regulating them without adding hormones to our system with 
Bonafide. So Bonafide was created to give women an alternative to effectively relieve the symptoms that accompany hormonal fluctuations within our bodies. They happen all the time from day to day, month to month, all these different seasons of our life, whether it's PMS you're dealing with or premenopause or menopause. We all have a lot going on hormonally, but they believe that women deserve relief without compromise and they create naturally powerful remedies to safely treat the symptoms that occur throughout our lives. I mean, we're talking the full spectrum of what you might be dealing with, whether it's night sweats, hot flashes, I recently had my first one of those, that was not very fun, or vaginal dryness, or they even have a brand new product to help with skin because our skin changes, especially as we're getting to that premenopausal, menopausal time, things start to thin, lose their elasticity and their hydration, and Sylvessa was created to combat all of that. So it's a daily capsule, hair serum, and skin serum that combine for healthier looking hair and skin. It's formulated with hyaluronic acid, which visibly improves texture and reduces fine lines and wrinkles. Plus, it helps promote the appearance of fuller, thicker, healthier hair. It's the first comprehensive system designed to restore and protect hair and skin affected by estrogen decline from the inside out. I have recently been taking and using Sylvessa, and I am absolutely loving it. Bonafide is effective, sourced naturally, clinically validated. They have safety and quality as their top concern. They're endorsed by over 8,300 doctors and over 333,000 women have benefited from using Bonafide. So give Bonafide a try today. There's no hormones and no prescription required. It's real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com slash livewell and use the promo code livewell. That's hellobonafide.com slash livewell and use the code livewell. That's L-I-V-E-W-E-L-L for this special offer. And for the best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com slash live well website. This is a special offer for my live well listeners. So check it out and use the promo code live well. And I agree. I think there's just like this overriding sense of guilt and shame. I think that there can be a lot of like even comparison where women look at one another and think, well, oh, look at her. She's like taking care of herself. Like, look how self-indulgent she is. Like we've gotten, we have like this weird thing in our culture where instead of like championing each other to be like, yes, you took care of yourself. Like people get weird mm-hmm. about it. Or I feel like we think that other people are going to look at us that way if we take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And until we just start doing it and more normalizing it, because that's the way that it should be, you know, I think that that will kind of continue to be there. But I was also talking to this gal recently and we, and I've kind of talked about it in my Patreon too, this idea of, well, I can only do something nourishing for myself every once in a while because it takes too much time. And Mm. I argued that, well, if you are actually doing things in more frequently, you don't have to do them for as long because you're not Mm. as depleted. So it's not going to take you two hours for a bath. You can take a bath, you know, most nights for 15 or 20 minutes. And (laughs) then you're not just at this place where you're at total burnout and you've got to like somehow pour so much into yourself to try to get back to a place of being okay. Like if we do the little things consistently to take care of ourselves over time, it's just like skincare, you know, like if you don't take care of your skin at all, and then you're like, well, once a year, I'm going to go to the spa. Well, yeah, they're going to have to do a lot to your face (laughs) to try to like sort of recoup what's been going on there. But if you do the little stuff every day, it has that Mm -hmm. cumulative effect that we often don't like to acknowledge that, you know, five minutes of something here or there is going to make a big difference, but it really does over time if you just make that part of your life. Absolutely. I know one of my friends, I like how she puts it. She talks about kind of looking for margin in your life, mm-hmm. you know, margin being like the little spaces and kind of getting your toe in the door and making the wedge a little bit wider, but, but just kind of saying, where is that margin in my life? How can I create a little bit of margin? Um, and I so agree with you. Like, I think something that in my own life, whenever I forget, I have a body, um, I, yeah, I just end up going to the place of like total breakdown or exhaustion or burnout. And that's actually, it's like really dumb. It's really ineffective. Um, it is self-defeating and yet we're like, 
no, I'm being very good. I'm being very holy and I'm helping everyone around me. Um, I'll never forget one time I was, uh, I was really stressed about something and I was stressed and it was weird because I was stressed because it was like thinking I needed to help my mom with something and I was frustrated about it. And then, and then I was stressed because I thought, oh, I need to, it was like a, I think we're planning a family something. And, um, and I was then being stressed to my boyfriend about it. And then I, both of them were like, you realize that like, we actually have this, you are fine. Like you are actually creating more problems for everybody by being stressed about this. And I feel like that's kind of a microcosm of in life. We can sometimes think that we are helping other people by burning ourselves out or by Mm -hmm. not having the 15 minute bath. But actually, if you just had a smaller, a little bit less of an inflated view of yourself, had a little bit of time every day that you did one nice thing for yourself, you might actually be making everybody else's life easier and just, and, and helping yourself and maybe running yourself ragged actually doesn't do anything for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I remember your mom saying in one of her books was like, she wanted to be an example to you guys too, Mm. that it was okay for her to take care of herself because she wanted you guys to know it was okay for you to take care of yourselves. And so there's, it helps Mm -hmm. us to be able to be better people and be there more, but it's also, we're, we're passing on that message to other people as well. Like, no, Mm -hmm. you, you take your space too. You need it. And well, and it's a way of saying it's a way of helping people know that they matter, right? Because the reason you take care of yourself is because you have responsibilities for other people and you need to build that, but also because you matter and, and you want to affirm to other people, you matter. It matters that yeah. you take space for yourself. And, um, and that's yeah. a way of modeling it to other yeah, people. Completely. And I like how you, you wove that into your chapter on enjoying things as well, because it, it reminds me of that tiny Puritan <laughs> that you talk about <laughs> that a lot of us have in the back of our brains. Like, oh, if you're enjoying it, then it must be bad. Like I, mm-hmm. we have this like thing where we're always like, oh, I, I must need to like cut myself off or whatever, instead of just allowing ourselves to enjoy the things that we do without that overriding sense of guilt all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think I love St. Augustine because he had, he had this very complicated relationship with enjoyment and desire and and pleasure, but his, at his base, what he really wants and what he says over and over again is that all of our desires, all of our enjoyments, um, if we're enjoying anything, it's, it's because we have desires that pull us to God. So we may not always enjoy things perfectly, but there's no fundamentally evil enjoyment, if that makes sense. Like you you Mm -hmm. could have something that was so far from God that it was, you know, but that pretty much all of our enjoyment can be, can through the Holy spirit become something that draws us to God. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's such a good way of experiencing life that when you enjoy something, actually just enjoy it and give thanks and see it as something that God is actually happy about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I loved you. You mentioned how you actually like connected with other people over silly things as well. And I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I think it was like a TV show or something. Yes. I, yeah, go ahead. Yes. I connected with, I was going to say, this is, this is my fun, weird thing. I connected with, um, several people over my enjoyment of BTS, the Korean, yes. um, which I discovered while in lockdown in Oxford that year. Um, but it, it was, yeah. So they're, they're interesting. The reason I ended up liking them was a, because they are just aggressively happy. Like they are, <laughs> they're known for their dancing, like watch their dance practice videos. And you'll just be like, Oh my gosh, isn't it amazing that human beings can do that with their bodies that we can like experience joy and music and then express it through dance. Like that's yeah. amazing. But also because they did this whole album based on, um, Carl Jung's like, uh, vision of the self. So they have oh, like, wow all this imagery. And I was like, what? That's so crazy. Like these group, this like 20 something boys decided to make this very mythological symbolic album, um, that sold like billions of copies. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was one of my things. And I talk about that in the book, um, as kind of my three reasons for enjoying things. And ironically, uh, which I think gets to the heart of many, many of the the kind of feelings, the reasons we have a hard time enjoying things, which is that we're afraid of what other people will think of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually when you let yourself enjoy something, often you end up making friends yeah. um, and, and discovering common enjoyments um, because um, it reminds you of the goodness of life that God actually created us to be 
um, not, not in desperation, not in hunger. It reminds you of kind of that core of goodness at the basis of reality. And that that actually should energize you to be a more loving, more brave person in the fight for good. So yes, BTS. Yeah. Well, they're fun. It was so fun because one of my very, very dearest friends has read through your book. I think she said three or four times now. And so when she knew that I was listening to it over the weekend, she's like, I can't wait for you to get to the chapter where she talks about enjoying things because I mean, (laughs) we were friends anyway. We've been friends for like 16 years now, but Mm -hmm. we both in the last two years, especially during lockdown, both like got into the same reality show that we've now (laughs) gone back and we've watched all the previous seasons together. And we've talked about the characters and the development and like followed them afterward on social media. Like it's ridiculous. It's so silly. It's our little guilty pleasure that we do together, but it has been such like a a bonding thing for her and I, but also like a stress reliever in the midst of all the other craziness of life. And now we're even gearing up like, Ooh, this summer is the first time we could watch it like in real time. Like we need to have a party (laughs) where we get together and we watch the first episode actually together because we've never done that. And she makes cookies for a living. And so she's going to make us some amazing cookies for our reality show. And amazing. It's so silly, but we love it. But it's, but you know, there are these little things in life. I think if life is difficult, then you should kind of enjoy everything that you can. Why wouldn't yeah. you? That it, it fills you up. Okay, wait, but are you going to tell us what the reality TV show is? I'm totally not. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll accept that. <laughs> I am not. She has sworn me to secrecy. Well, it'll be it both British. Your- Oh, yeah. oh, oh, now I, now I'm like running through all the, as the British would call it, the trash telly yeah. in my mind. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. But, but yeah, it's, it's just, I think I totally agree. You have to, especially when life is hard, you gotta, you gotta milk it for all it's worth. You gotta find mm-hmm. whatever you can to try to fill in those little places. Like you were saying I, you, when you were quoting Lord of the Rings, And you were saying Mm -hmm. how Sam is saying, like, remember, remember, like the fields and the whatever, you know, like it's those little simple pleasures that can often pull us out of those darkest places. Like if we can go back there and even remember those and like to have a good store up in ourselves of those things that we can come back to, I think is so important. Mm, I totally agree. Yeah. And having those just kind of little things that help you along the way. And I'm always surprised uh, how much a little delight, it can go a long way in life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, ladies, you might remember that I have recently had a couple of episodes where I've had on people from Color Guru, everyone from Jeannie Stith, who is the head color guru who founded the company, to Ali Smuts, who is their hair wonder extraordinaire. She's been a hairstylist for years now, and she is brilliant about being able to figure out what color is going to look best on your hair and giving you exact formulas and telling you what haircuts will work well. I have especially lately been loving having my color cards for everything from shopping for spring clothes clothes, to going and getting new makeup. I love just having this little thing in my back pocket that reminds me, oh yeah, these colors that I may not even have thought of are going to work well for me, or maybe I should avoid those. They're going to wash me out. It has been so enlightening to see what really works for me, and they did such a brilliant job. When you sign up with the Color Guru, they give you a consultation where you send in pictures, and they actually figure out what colors, what tones, how deep colors should be, what metals work best on you, all of these different things beyond just your warm or your cool. They go so in-depth and I have found it so beneficial and I think that you will too. If you have ever felt washed out in your clothes or unsure of what colors you should be wearing or what makeup you should be buying, this just takes all of the guesswork out of that. You too can go get one of these consultations by going to yourcolorguru.com and using the code LIVEWELL at checkout for 10% off. I have thought for so long that it is essential for us to know our colors. It really does make all the difference when we are making those shopping decisions, and it makes a difference in how we feel in our clothes and our style. So head over to yourcolorguru.com 
livewellpodcast.com and use the code livewell for 10% off at checkout so you can take all the guesswork out of your shopping from now on too and feel more confident in your makeup and clothes than ever. I recently got a paint by number (laughs) painting Mm -hmm. from Target. I was like, this is so silly. This feels like, you know, a childish thing to do. And it's like, I always feel like, oh, if I'm going to create something, I have to like, I have to create it myself to like, give it some sort of validity. And this is so the opposite of that. I mean, it is literally like, put this color here. And (laughs) I kind of just, I found myself though, getting lost in that, like, oh, what a relief that mm-hmm. I don't have to figure out how to do it. I can just mm-hmm. follow the directions right now because the rest of life is so hard. If I just do the thing they tell me to do, this is going to be pretty <laughs> in the end. And it was such a nice, like when my brain just kind of needed a break from all of the hard mm. things in life to just be able to check out and watch my reality TV or whatever while I painted this paint by number. And now granted, you know, I have a friend who did the exact same one. It took her five hours and I think it probably took me 35 (laughs) hours and I'm not even joking because I'm just, we have totally different personality types, but you know, every one of those 35 hours that I took to do it were such a relief that I needed. And it was doing something that was Mm. literally participating in beauty. And it was exactly Mm. what I needed. I love that. And I think that what you're saying too, is it kind of goes back to that sense of, I feel like life is this mixture between accepting the chaos of life, accepting that life is difficult and hard and things happen. Um, so it's a different, it's like a mixture between acceptance and then agency, you know, that you, Mm. you accept the difficulty of life, but then that you also think you can do something to make it more beautiful. And the thing I love about what you're describing with paint by numbers, and I think I feel similarly about baking Mm, and it's something that you can do with your hands. It's not something that you're thinking through really deeply. So you do with your hands. And then at the end of it, you have this really tangible, beautiful, enjoyable thing. And I think that I I talked about this a bit in the book, but I think that's kind of this, this expression of what it means to bring cosmos out of chaos. Um, And I think Madeline Lingle, who's an author I love, talks about Mm -hmm. this, that cosmos is the word that's the Greek word um, that was used to kind of describe what God does to creation that, you know, uh, in Genesis, when it says the earth was formless and voids, it's kind of chaotic. And then he brings cosmos out of chaos. It's this sense of order and of beauty. And it's, it's actually the basis of our words, um, like cosmetics, mm-hmm. you know, that's if you're making something beautiful and orderly and, and that it has the right kind of colors or cosmopolitan, you know, uh, that it's not wild. It's a cosmopolitan. Yeah. It's something that's created and made. And I think that, um, I think that those choices, and even when it's a really little thing like paint by numbers or baking, it's something that goes, I, I'm an agent of beauty in the world. I can look at the formless and void nature of my life and bring something tangibly beautiful. And I think those little practices are kind of little, they're like little pick-me-ups, but they're Mm -hmm. also, um, kind of a reminder to us of that, that principle that we can be people who who do these tangible things that make the world more orderly, more beautiful out of the chaos, out of the formlessness and void. Mm -hmm. And that we don't have to think of it as frivolous or unnecessary, or there, there is value in participating Mm -hmm. in beauty. It helps our psyche. It helps our, our hearts and our, you know, it, it, there was something therapeutic to me about doing that, even though it was just a paint by number. Like we don't have to look at those things and sort of shun them, no. shun them. Like there isn't a greater purpose in me doing this paint by number. Like well, there doesn't no. always have to be. No, the greater purpose can be that you have chosen to do something that makes you happy in the world. And that makes the world a better place. I also often, whenever people are like, you know, it's not a waste of time. I always think, what would you be doing instead? I think we have yeah. like a way overinflated view <laughs> yeah. of what we will be doing instead of our little guilty pleasures. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if I, if I wasn't baking, I would probably be scrolling through my phone. And, yeah. and so, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think that um, we should just all be more chill and enjoy things. I agree. I agree. I, I love that. Let that if that's the greatest takeaway, you guys, just be chill and enjoy things. It will help you be more aggressively happy. 
Yeah, I'm here with my profound wisdom. Yeah. Oh, I think most of this has been very profound. Please don't undercredit yourself, uh, Dr. Joy. So I, I think, yes, I just, I love, I think there is real wisdom behind this. And, and I even love that you took this idea of being aggressively happy, the title out of something that it was sort of like somebody was trying to slight you by saying that you are aggressively happy. And I love that you just flipped that on its head and you were like, as a matter of fact, I am. Thank you very much. Like, I just, I love that you gave it that spin and have taken hold of it in such a positive way. Yeah. Well, you know, the person who said it, I think they, they were, who, who can know who says, how anyone yeah. says anything, but I, I, I think they were teasing. I hope they're teasing. And I sent them the book. And they enjoyed it. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Okay. So Joy, what does a typical day look for, look like for you now? That's a great question. So because most of my, because all of my work is remote, I don't have an office. Um, I like to think that I pay my office rent by having a flat white. There you go. Coffee shop. So, um, it usually looks like I like to wake up and have a cup of Yorkshire gold tea and um do my I have my little I, I like to listen to the pray as you go podcast it's a great okay great little 10 minute um scripture reading if anyone needs that in your life it's a good thing um and then I go to my have breakfast go to my coffee shop work on do various work and I realize I'm about to describe a very boring day which is that a lot of my days are just <laughs> kind of like you know it's okay I do curious. work in one place and then I do work in another place and then I love taking a good walk. Um, and depending on the night of the week, I'll have dinner with friends and sometimes I do yoga and, uh, I usually read. Yeah. A lot of my days lately are very like just a combo of eating and working and seeing people I love and occasionally doing nice things for them. I love that. That sounds like a really good way to be spending your days and structuring your time. (laughs) So we've kind of already hit on it. I'm sure because you've already said a few things that you do and we've talked about sort of the whole point of this podcast, but is there some little pleasure or thing that you do in the course of your day to take care of yourself in the midst of life's chaos that would be kind of fun to hear about? Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is a very Clarkson thing of me to say, but I really am a believer in the power of a 15 minute tea time. The thing I love about tea is that it's kind of, to make it is kind of a ritual, right? You have to yeah. boil the water, you have to warm up the cup, you have to use your favorite tea. Um, but it's this wonderful little ritual, it's a little cosmos out of chaos that's not huge. You know, you were talking earlier about how self-care doesn't have to be a three hour long bath. I love tea because it doesn't take you that long to drink a cup of tea, um, yeah. but the ritual of it. And so I love having a cup of tea and reading um, a chapter of a novel uh, for 15 minutes every afternoon. That's kind of like my little break. And that just brings, it brings kind of a moment of dignity and of rest and of pleasure. And, um, and it's something that kind of keeps me going. So that's a little, a little doable short ritual that I really enjoy. I love that. Now I feel like I need a daily tea time. Like This has been missing <laughs> for my life. Yeah. I'm, I'm a strong promoter of it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll have to right before I go get my kids from school. I need to take my tea time. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Yes, I guess so. Okay. Do you prefer candles or an essential oil diffuser? Candles. If you had said diffuser, I was going to rat you out to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it had to be candles and Clarkson can't say an essential oil diffuser. It's gotta be no. candles. Okay. Yeah. Cloth napkins or paper? Oh, I, in an idealistic world, I'd like to say cloth, but paper. Okay. That's where I am in life. Mm. I like it. Okay. City or country? Mm, that's actually kind of hard. I, I think maybe city. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the country. I get lonely for the woods and the beauty and the green, but I really love a good coffee shop. I really like my art museums and my public parks and passing people all the time in the street. And yeah, there's something about cities that I find lively and human and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. And I agree. Okay. Paper or digital paper. 
Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? In the store. Cause I want to touch things. Okay. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Oh, this is changing for me, actually. I think actually a podcast because I listen to music all the time. Mm. And now that I, I live alone, I, I listen to a lot more podcasts because it's like another human being in the house. And so a what, sad, oh, but there it is. I, no, I get it. I totally get it. That's why I used to put on the TV because it was just like, there's voices, there's people. Um, what would be a podcast that one of the podcasts that you would turn to? Um, so the nerdy answer is in our time by Melvin Bragg, BBC four. Um, and then the not nerdy answer would be, um, I really enjoyed the mocking cast, which is three Episcopal priests who just chat about various stuff and articles. Interesting. I guess they're both a little, I guess they're both a little nerdy. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) We'll take it. Okay. Mm. Chocolate milk or dark? Dark. Okay. Sports or no sports? I, I have nothing against sports, but I think I'd have to say no sports. Okay. Um, I, I would have assumed that as well. And I'm in the same I, boat. So yeah, I, I like, I like the idea of sports, um, but I just don't have any attachment to them. Yeah. I, it's, it's sort of sounds like we'd both be like, go sports. <laughs> Go, yeah, catch yeah. the ball or yeah. whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. Okay, live broadcasting, like Instagram mm-hmm. stories or whatever. Would you rather broadcast mm-hmm. or watch? Oh, watch. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite movie? Oh, that's a terrible question. I know, it's so hard. Oh, uh, first one that came to mind was Babette's Feast, which okay. is in the book. Yes, it is. Uh, it makes me want after listening about it I it makes me want to go see it um and if you final question if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair where would you be on the spectrum uh wait zero is non-crunchy 10 is crunchy yes I I think I'm pretty low in spectrum. I think I'd say probably like, hmm, I'll say four, maybe okay. three. All yeah. right. Yeah. So respectable answer. Mm. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know, you've got your candles and your tea. So yeah, exactly. Other things. All right. Well, Joy, I love this book. I can't wait to, because I had started highlighting in it and everything. And I was like, oh, I really want to dive into this. I was like, oh, I'm running out of time. So I ended up listening to the audiobook, but I can't wait to like sink my own eyes back into it. And mm-hmm. I just think it was beautifully done. I can't recommend it to people enough. And I so appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you and I take your words to heart. They're very encouraging and I hope other people enjoy the book too. Yeah. Everybody needs to go grab it. All right. Well, enjoy your evening, I suppose. Are you, is it Indeed. evening? Yes. Yes. Evening. Yeah, just in almost Oxford. dinner time. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Oh, you guys, that Joy Clarkson, she's just so wise. You definitely know what family she came from, right? I mean, I had so much fun talking to her and getting to pick her brain and hear her perspective on her book and the pandemic and getting through all of that. I just love being able to talk with those Clarksons. It's so much fun, and I can't recommend her book enough. So if you want to find any of the links to the things that we talked about, including her book, I suggest you scroll up in whatever app you are listening to the podcast cast on and you can find that link there or you can go over to mckenziecoppa.com click on podcast and you can find links from all of our different shows while you're over there you could also head over to mckenziecoppa.substack.com and subscribe to my newsletter so i'm doing some playing around with how i do the newsletter so that it comes out hopefully the goal is to get out at least to you guys weekly what is happening on the platform because obviously i've got my fingers in so many different things right now between doing youtube and trying to create more content on instagram and continuing things here on the podcast there's so much stuff that we are coming out with and i don't want you guys to miss 
any of it. Even things like the cohort and what we have going on in Patreon. There are so many different opportunities to help you guys be able to live well anyway, to live well in the midst of life's stress, enjoy yourself, be aggressively happy. I would love for you to know what's going on. So if you want to stay on top of what is going on, then join my newsletter at mackenziecoppa.substack.com. It's called Well Anyway. And the goal is to have a longer monthly newsletter that will come out once a month, plus those weekly newsletters that just are like, hey, this is what's going on. So you don't miss any of it because content is coming out in so many different places. So be sure to head over there and subscribe to the newsletter so you don't miss out on a live well anything. All right. Thanks so much for listening week after week. I so appreciate each and every one of you who listen to the show and keep it in your AirPods. It makes a big difference. And I so appreciate when you support our sponsors and you click through all of those affiliate links. You have kept this show afloat for so many years now, and I could not be more grateful. Until next week, ladies, when Katie and I will be talking about our summer reading plans, go be bold and gracious. Thank you.